Use this for a second, so I apologize. It's kind of one of my pet peeves about look at my computer, look how high tech and in touch I am. Um, it's just a personal hang up, didn't mean to drag it up here on the stage. Um, last week, we, um, we did what we always do the last Sunday of a, of a year, and we just kind of opened up the mic and let people come up and share some of the things that, that God had done in, in their lives over the course of that year as a time to, um, to boast in the goodness of our God and the faithfulness of our God, and um, I kind of made my own list, not for my life, but for um, our, the life of our church, which is a part of my life, I know. Um, and so this is certainly not all-inclusive. Um, in 2008, we saw, um, we saw doctors completely dumbfounded, and not just one doctor, and not just in one situation, um, quite a few medical mysteries that went on. We saw um, adults have to shepherd their parents, which is that weird role reversal that happens at some point where sometimes as a grown-up you have to sit one of your parents down or both of them down and have, look them in the eye and the, things kind of level out a little bit more. And it's awkward and it's weird, but God gets you through it. We saw people make major life-altering decisions, sometimes gut-wrenching decisions, and they needed guidance, and God provided that. We saw people handle conflict biblically. We saw people step into the complete unknown with their lives. Um, We saw financial miracles. We saw people hit rock bottom, and God was there too. Um, We saw people open up their homes, and provide care for people who are not their own flesh and blood. Um, we saw people get up at 1 o'clock in the morning and drive across town to go sleep on a couch while uh, the mom of the household went to work. We saw um, people give rides when transportation was needed. We saw people make it through rehab. We saw people free from addictions that have paralyzed them. For years, we saw people deal with difficult news from the doctor. We saw people move to a different state, and we saw people move back to this state. Um, we saw people struggle with the battle uh, between our plans and his plans, and and there's that tendency that we all have to to expect our lives to play out a certain way and at a certain pace, and then that struggle that happens when God's like, no, no, but that's not my plan for your life. That's your plan for your life. And we saw people deal with that tension um, and sometimes deal with it really, really well and sometimes not deal with it well. But then God always kind of has a way of bringing us around. Um, We saw quite a few people get married. Um, We saw uh, some babies born. We saw um, people change jobs. Some, Some jobs were lost. Some people were fired. Some people quit. Uh, some people got new jobs. Some people changed careers altogether. Um, we saw marriages um, healed, marriages restored, marriages strengthened. 
Some people go on mission trips and follow God's lead to bring them into places that they maybe aren't comfortable with. We saw people join our church. Um, we saw uh, people make it through pretty difficult times of grief and loss. Um, we saw our church move physically across town, um, which is a big deal. There are not many churches you'll ever be a part of that just physically pick up and move to another place. So we're kind of uh, gypsies like that, I guess. Um, we made it through um, uh, Gustav, and we watched uh, that sucker just bear down on our city and knock down more. I, I got so sick of seeing dead trees on the side of the road to the point I just got used to it, and then it started to get weird when they weren't there. Like I felt like, I don't know, felt unsafe almost because I had these barricades of trees driving down the thing. All of a sudden, I was like, huh. Um, but we saw the response there where people were helping their neighbors out, and um, we had people just show up and meet in a parking lot with rakes and shovels and chainsaws and just go into random places and help people get things back to normal. Um, there's a rip in my jeans right here that's from a chainsaw that could have killed me. Um, and then y'all went and gave me one, too. It's like, uh, what does that say? No, I'm just kidding. I love it. Everybody's jealous of it on my street. Um, we, um, we did something different with our Christmas this year with Advent Conspiracy, um, where we just decided to take the bull by the horns as best as we could and see how this Christmas could be different than ones we've experienced in the past. And that was easy in some ways and really hard in other ways. And um, we tried to worship fully in everything that we did. We tried to love everybody that we came in contact with. We tried to spend less and to give more. And um, the last total that I saw to, for the money that was going to the wells um, was 8300 and something dollars, um, which pretty kick butt, if you ask me, just to use a biblical term. Um, <laughs> that is uh, remarkable. And um, it, uh, this is a little side note, all right? This doesn't leave the room. I was talking with a family member of mine, who is my father, and uh, <laughs> he... Uh, he was, their, their church, they do a, a Christmas offering, and we do a Christmas offering. And they was telling me about their Christmas offering and, you know, whatever. And, um, the, the size of their church compared to ours is, is different. The demographics of their church and ours are very different. And uh, the amount of money that was given there and here, not very different at all. And I don't say that as a slight on them at all. I say that as a look what God did among us. Um, and... And that's, that's huge, to send that kind of money into places where kids are drinking out of cesspools instead of having clean water is, is phenomenal. And that has nothing to do with, with you, us, being awesome. It has everything to do with God really taking Christmas and doing something different with it. Um, we, saw, uh, we saw some college students walk through our doors um, and, and come back again, which is always good. Um, that's something that we have prayed for. Uh, we prayed that when we moved out here um, that we would not then uh, focus on, only on college students and lose all the other things that God had established. Um, our, we prayed that our parents would, would embrace the move 
and that we would not you know, focus all our efforts here and then neglect kids and youth and all that kind of stuff, and hopefully we've, we've done that. Um, we j basically just want to keep expanding what we do and to be faithful with everybody that comes in the doors. And so um, college students that we've prayed for for a couple of years, um, I, I feel like we have some that I'll label as ours, and if they don't like that label, they can deal with it. Um, I'm just kidding. Um, we saw the health of our community groups go through... Uh, you know, some, um, some shifts in rotating different things. Um, we saw our, uh, our giving, uh, as far as what goes in the offering plates back there, we saw that come down a good bit this, this year in 2008 compared to 06 and 07. Um, and so that was coming down, and yet our spending was going up. And in most situations, most churches, that would be red flagged, and we would go on a spending freeze and whatever. Um, but this church um, just kept doing the right thing and looked at it as we spent 06 and 07 building a nest egg and 08 was when we spent it and it's okay. And we came in just under where we, just under our target and we believe that, um, that God is going to continue to do something cool with how we look at money. So we bumped our budget up for 09. Um, and some people might think that's not wise at all. And we just think it's living by faith and we're going to live by faith in, in every way. And if that comes down to how we do our church budget, we want that to reflect everything that we're teaching. Um, so we saw that um, happen. We saw people give their time and give their stuff and give themselves. And um, all of these things uh, come down to we saw the faithfulness of God walked out in 2008. Um, and so we, we look at that, and that is a part of... Um, a really big foundation of God's faithfulness that we then turn ahead and we look to what 09 holds for us. And that's kind of where I want us to hang out uh, that idea for a few minutes. And so if you have a Bible, um, we're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 1. Um, you can go ahead and turn there. Um, we're going to put it, the verses up on the screens for you. I, um, I spoke out of this exact passage the first Sunday of 2008, and um, I'm going to make some similar points as I did then, um, and I believe that God, uh, He does this. He brings us back to certain passages and certain ideas, um, and that's not um, me trying to have an easy sermon prep time, because this sermon is not easy to prep for. Um, in 1 Peter, we open up with um, just a really powerful uh, introduction. Um, we're going we're gonna to focus on 13 through 16, but let me just read kind of a part of what's like what we're leading up to here. Um, verse 3, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Um, I mean, he just, from the beginning, just lays it out there. Um, and so he kind of builds this foundation of, of a hope that is alive, 
and um, that there's this inheritance in, he- in heaven that's being guarded and kept by God. Um, and, and so I, this is kind of like w- what he's ramping up to. And then in verse 13, um, he just, just kind of lays it all out there. It says, Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Everything that you want your life to become, and everything that we hope happens in the life of this church as our lives are joined together in the next year, um, will come down to this in various forms. We'll come down to this idea of holiness and pursuing that. So I want you to take a second, walk through these verses, and uh, kind of see what God has for us. Um, look back at verse 13. Just preparing your minds for action. Um, you might have a, a little footnote that says, uh, in Greek, it says, girding up the loins of your mind. Um, sounds kind of weird. Um, if, uh, if you go back, in, back into Exodus, and when they talk about getting ready for battle, you know, they wore like, you know, like robe kind of things, um, like you see in Easter pageants and stuff like that. And that was like the common, like what everybody wore because it was real dusty and all this kind of stuff, whatever. Um, when they would fight, I don't know if you've ever tried to fight in a dress. I mean, I haven't. Uh, or robe. Um, but I would imagine that it is very difficult. And so they would, they would take their robes and they would tuck them up into their belts. And they'd like gather it all up so that their legs were free to be able to run and to fight and whatever. And so that was called girding up their, their loins. They would be like completely wrapped up so that they were ready for action, ready for battle. What this is saying is, is to, to gird up the loins of your mind, to prepare your mind for action. Um, and, and if if you think about it, um, preparing, like taking care of our thoughts, I mean, think, think about how much of a difference that would make in the way that each of us live our lives, you know. Think about how, how much of a hindrance thoughts can be. If you think of, of like the robes that they wore as being something that could hinder them, um, our equivalent would be a lot of times our thoughts, those are the things that we struggle with. Those are the things that get in the way. Those are the lies that we believe, um, sometimes to the point of where those lies then become true. And so what he's saying is like, look, um, therefore, because of all this other stuff, because of everything that comes before this, preparing your minds for action, like that's an, an ongoing thing. There's this preparation that, that happens um, to always be ready for action. And the implication is if your thoughts are hindering you, then you are not ready to walk out your faith. That you're not ready to go out and to represent Christ um, and to, to be Jesus in the workplace and in the home and all this kind of stuff. That you are not, you're not there yet. That you're trying to fight with a dress on or a robe on. And so to me, that's, it's a little bit confusing in a sense. Like if I were... If I sit down and I really am like, okay, what does this mean? 
But if I step back a little bit, I understand the principle at play. That if I'm walking throughout my day and, and my thoughts and the way that my mind works has not been prepared, whether that's through prayer or through time in the Word or just through just like a recognition of to, God has made today uniquely and there are, there's purpose and there's meaning and there are opportunities for me today, um, then, I, then I, I'm not prepared. And those thoughts can be the things that, that trip you up. So it's about taking thoughts captive and making sure that all those things are working toward the goal of being ready for action. If you look at the next thing, um, prepare your mind, pre- preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded. This is self-control. This is self-discipline. This is connected to preparing your mind for action. Um, all of this stuff is basically talking about, look, you, you don't accidentally do this stuff. You don't accidentally prepare your mind for action. You aren't accidentally self-disciplined because you're preparing to get to a point and then you're disciplined enough to stay there. Okay? You take the time to tie up the robe and then you, have, you make sure that it stays tucked in while things are going on. Um, these are things that are happening and they're moving in a direction. So it says, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Set your hope on what is important. I always like the, how the last verse of like a hymn always talks about like Jesus coming back in heaven, you know? And, and the churches that I grew up in, it was always, you know, we, you're going to sing the first verse and the last verse, for sure. Sometimes one, two, and five. One, two, three, and five. Re- never one, two, three, four, five. You always got to leave out the fourth one that nobody knows. But um, that last one was always about going home. And it's probably something that we don't talk about nearly enough. And what this verse is saying is, is you, we throw our hope way down the line. We place our hope in what is important and in something that is not going to change. Our hope fades very easily when it's misplaced, doesn't it? When we misplace our hope and that thing that we've placed it in fails us, then hope just fades away, and we're kind of in that place, and you're like, I don't, I don't really know what's going on. And, and it happens all the time. We, we, um, we have people all around us that are placing their hope in the wrong places. And so I'm going to, let me speak just for a second, as though nobody in here battles with this. But there are some people who put their hope in stuff. And so, sure enough, they put their hope in whatever, possessions, money, whatever. And then... Our economy is all of a sudden we're not the most dominant thing on the planet. And it's what happens. People lose their jobs. People aren't spending as much. And all of a sudden, like, if you have placed your, all your hope in your possessions or in money or in whatever, um, when those things stop being worth as much and things start to become really unquestionable and the stability there fades, and all of a sudden there are people who have no idea what's going on and they're completely panicking. We have people who put their, all their hope in a relationship and like, like whether it's a, a dating relationship or a friendship or a marriage, and they put all their hope in like that person or the fact that they, you know, their Facebook status says that they're in a relationship or whatever. And then when anything gets shaky, you know, when your friend stabs you in the back or when your like girlfriend breaks up with you or when all of a sudden like your marriage, like you have this like a tough couple of days and all of a sudden people, they get all rattled. Well, it's because you've, you've thrown your hope onto the wrong thing. We could um, we chase examples all, all the time. Um, the like a personal one for me would would tend to be the ring, the, this church. 
um, that uh, there can be all kinds of stuff in my life that's like falling apart and going bad or whatever, and that's, you know, that's all fine. But when something happens with the ring, when I have like just a reality check about something or whatever, examples aren't really worth it. Um, when something happens with the ring, that's, uh, that's, it rattles me to the point and I realize like my hope is in the wrong thing. Instead of throwing it all away to Jesus Christ who is, is holding this inheritance for me that doesn't fade and doesn't spoil and never goes away, and, and this grace that is on the way, I've thrown it temporarily to the short, like just a, a little ways out under this church, instead of throwing it way down to him. So hope that is misplaced fades really, really quickly. Hope that is placed on Jesus, it never fades, it never goes away. And, and so the thing is, these things don't happen by accident. These things come undone by accident. If, 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 you are a, in, if you're a warrior, and you're a Jewish warrior, okay, and you have, you've tugged the robe up into your belt and all this kind of stuff, and you're out there fighting, first of all, it didn't get tucked in on accident, and it doesn't stay tucked in on accident. It's completely intentional that that happened and that it stays that way. It comes undone by accident. And so when we see this, I'm trying to bring all this together, um, you and I are not going to um, live the holy lives that are everything that we want them to be, and it just kind of happen. There's some intentionality and there's purpose behind it. We, pre- we prepare our minds for action. We don't cross our fingers and hope that they get prepared. We don't hang around people who are preparing their minds for action, hope some of that rubs off on us. It comes undone through action. And so it's a constant thing. We're constantly having to make those adjustments and get back on track and all that kind of stuff. If you look at the next verse, verse 14, as obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. Okay, stop right there. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. We are adopted children into a completely new household. Now, I've never adopted a child, brought them into a new household, but I did adopt a dog. Her name was Wheezy. She passed away in 08, and that, that bit. Um, and uh, and it, here's just like, I promise you this is going to make sense. Wheezy, uh, she like got out from wherever she was living uh, when Katrina happened. So some people think she's a Katrina refugee dog, and she is. She's just in Central, which really wasn't that effective. Um, and so for about a month or like five weeks, she, like, she ran the hood of Bellingrath Hills in Central. It's a tough neighborhood. Uh, she lived on the streets. Um, the Zito crime family, like, controls it all. It's bad. Um, and uh, so she just, like, roamed the neighborhood for a month. And somehow she find, found stuff to eat. She went wherever she wanted. And so and my, my parents and their, like, their little group of houses around there, like, they put out food for her and stuff. And they would see her, and they wouldn't see her for a couple of days. And she'd come back and, you know, whatever. And so after, like, five weeks, you know, my parents were like, look, we're kind of, kind of you know, this dog's going to get killed or it needs to be cared for. None of us around here want to do it. So my brother uh, brings the dog home, and um, 
he brings her home, and we're playing with her in the backyard. We're trying to come up with a name, and so we like we just started like each just throwing out names, throwing out names. And Wheezy was the first one that made us laugh, and so we were like, we'll name her Wheezy after our state. And so, um, so we named her Wheezy, and she was awesome. And the next day, like we put her in the yard, and we put water and food, whatever. And um, next day, she's gone, hole under the fence. She's gone. So we find her, bring her back, put her in the yard, you know. Um, get some, uh, something and drive it down where the hole was and, you know, whatever. Next day, gone. Like six, seven times in the first week that we had her, like she was gone. And every day we would find her further and further away. And we would see her and we would call her name. And she didn't know her name, but she would see us and like, hey, hey, and she would run to us and we'd bring her home. And so we kept like putting her in the yard and we we're like, no, 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 you don't understand. Like, like, I know you've been living on the streets, but you don't have to live on the streets anymore. We have consistent food for you, clean water for you, a, a fenced-in yard for you. We're going to throw a tennis ball for you. Like, all this is for you. We'll have everything that you want. You, why are you leaving? Why are you leaving, you know? She had, she had just, that was the life that she was used to. And so finally, we just, through the miracle of electricity, we kept her in the yard. And, uh, <laughs> and she learned... Um, Uh, she eventually learned that we loved her that way, you know. Uh, but, but the thing is, like, it, it really, it took her, like, a, just a long time to get used to the fact that, like, whatever life was before us, uh, she now lived in my house and Joe's house. And so they, this is how it was going to be. And so it took us a while to take this dog that was kind of independent and clueless and whatever and to, to teach her how to live under these new rules. And that's, this, that's what happens with you and with me, is that we are adopted into this family, but we have this, all this baggage and all this life that, that we, this is how we lived before. And so, like, God is trying to teach us, no, this is how you live in my house. When, when you eat at my table and I'm preparing a room for you in my mansions, in my heaven, uh, this, this is how... It works. So it says, as obedient children, don't conform to the passions of your former ignorant self. Uh, that's a paraphrase. Um, passions of your former ignorance. Verse 15, but as he who called you is holy, so also be holy in all your conduct. What he's saying is, the old way you lived however you want, in my house, you live a holy life. And so just like Wheezy slowly had to learn the new system, what we are doing is we are learning the new system. And so as we look into the year that's coming ahead, first of all, we throw our hope way down the line to the future, to what is, being, what is on the way for us in, in heaven and in Christ. But there's got to be this progressive nature to our holiness. And I think that's one of the hard things that, that we battle is, um, is progressing in that. And not getting to a point where you're like, no, I'm pretty much like I'm pretty much happy with my life, and and, I, and I, I'm in this good groove, and all this kind of stuff. And we kind of just get used to it. And what happens is things get really stagnant, and we're just not growing. So there has to be this this moving forward, and that's one of the things about a new year is that you kind of end up looking back, and you're like, okay, there are some ways I can see that I've grown in this last year, and there are other ways where I'm like, man, I had the same struggle as I had in '08. And the same ones as in 07 and 06. And you can just keep going back. 
And what we have to understand is that we have been adopted into a new family, and in the new family, there's a new way to live, and that new way to live is holiness. That's what it says in verse 15. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. The topic of holiness is, is it's unreal. And I don't know that it's ever something we'll understand. I heard John Piper preach about it one time. I think my head blew up like three minutes into it because I was like, I have no idea what he just said, but it hurt. The holiness involves purity. It involves um, a, a setting apart, um, a distinction. It involves being uh, dedicated to the Lord. I mean, it has, has so much that's involved with it. And it's hard to say, like, this is what holiness is because it's, it's completely different than anything else that we know. All we know is that, that God says, I'm holy, so you're going to be holy. And that's how, that's how we live in my house. Don't conform to the, your old patterns. You conform to this new pattern, which is me. And I'm going to teach you how to get there. And so that's why we look at our lives and we want purity and we want that distinction and we want things to be set apart for him and we want to be, to be different um, instead of just fitting in all the time. And it's just, it's, it's imitation of God. And it's so, like, difficult. But, but you, I want to make sure we all see the progression of what's going on. It's like, prepare your minds for action. Get all those thoughts together and be disciplined enough to keep everything together. Because as you live your life, you're going to want to, you're, you're trying to move away from those old patterns and into this new pattern of holiness. And you're not going to do that by accident. You're not going to do that with your thoughts going all over the place. And so it's this, this daily um, discipline that goes on. And, and I know to some, that, you know, that's like a part of what's such a turnoff about Christianity is you're like, oh, it's, it's rules and it's do this and it's don't do this and it's like whatever. But that's, that's not what this is saying. This is complete freedom. This is, is taking, um, taking a dog who's living on the streets and know, you know, all this kind of stuff and saying, like, no, 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 no. Like, I'm providing for you everything that you need. And that's why dogs eventually get to the point where, like, you can't get rid of them. Because they understand, like, okay, I'm loved and cared for here. And that's what we're going for. And the only the way to do that is by imitation. And so that's why, going back to looking at 2009, anything that I could say about, like, this is the, the vision for 2009 for the ring, or this is the direction that we're going, and there's no, there's no logo, there's, no, like, there's no, nothing fancy to throw up there. It's always going to come down to this. It's always going to come down to um, be holy because I'm holy. Try to be like me in every way. And within that comes loving the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength and, and loving our neighbor as ourselves and, and all these other things like that they, they come, they, they all come with that. And so anything that I could say that I hope happens in, in my life or in the lives of, of us and, and as a church, anything is going to come down to that. And so examples, I mean, we could name lots of examples because we could talk about um, our, our actions and the way that we treat people and um, the, the forms of entertainment that we participate in and the stops on the internet that we make and um, the kind of humor that we um, bring into our conversations and all that kind of stuff. We can talk about that. Um, 
We can talk about where those things often start, which is in our thoughts. We can talk about lust. We can talk about judgment. We can talk about pride. We can talk about, um, so what else I write down? Self-control. We can talk about justifying sin. We can talk about self-image issues. We can talk about relationships and friendship and dating and marriage and relationships with our coworkers and our neighbors and our, our immediate family and beyond. Um, you know, all those things ultimately come down to, it, to our hearts, right? It all, comes, it all starts in, inside. For too long, I think a, a lot of us have, have been um, in those behavior modification situations where um, you're like, okay, well, I, I can, I'll just create a new law, a new rule, and I'll just follow that rule, and that'll keep me from doing whatever. And it, then our hearts are not affected. It's just our actions that are affected. And so we might be like not cussing and not doing all this kind of stuff, but it's not from a heart that is an obedient child who is, is trying to not conform to that pattern, but is trying to be holy. It has nothing to do with genuine change on the inside. It's just like you got enough you know, control over your, your mouth to not cuss or whatever. You know? So all those things are going to come down to heart issues. And even the ones, even the issues that, that I would put in the like looking ahead to 2009, the things that that, that as the pastor I hope to see happen in our church and that the elders have talked about and, and, and the things that we all dream about, um, all those things are the same, the same issue. I've written some of them down. and I mean, I wrote down like finances. I mean, I, I hope that, um, I hope our financial picture gets better and better and better. I hope that we are disciplined enough and, and organized enough to be able to look at the money that we make as being entrusted to us by God to meet our needs and to meet the needs of other people and not as a way to go out and get the coolest stuff or more stuff or whatever. So that when I stand up and say that this is a need or when Andrew comes up and says, hey, I'm trying to do this or someone's trying to go on a mission trip or whatever, people are like, man, I'm totally strapped. I haven't even like given money in the bucket for like six months because I'm just living check to check because I'm living beyond my means that we would begin to work out of those patterns and work into patterns of, I look, I, I want to make as much money as I can because that means I can help more people. I'm going to keep giving stuff away and downsizing what I, what I have because I want, to be, I want to be able to do that. I don't want to sit back and say, I wish I could help. But that's a holiness issue as well. That starts with a heart that's like, God is a giver. God is a provider. And God is, is, has all these different ways that his grace flows into our lives. And so if he's graciously taking care of me, that's a reflection of his holiness. And if I'm able to take care of other people, that's grace flowing in their direction. And so that's Im- imitating him, even down into our spending and our finances and stuff. So even those church issues are, are, come down to holiness, which comes down to where is my heart, where is your heart? When it comes to church life, I wrote down some stuff. Um, I would love for there to be a, a holiness to the way we approach Sunday nights together. I would love for 515 prayer to be um, when people think that the ring really begins, because it does. Um, I would love for that to be the case. Um, I would love for, uh, to fight the 80-20 rule, which you kind of have to be a church nerd maybe to have ever heard that before. There's this church nerd thing um, in seminaries that talks about how um, 80% of the work in a church is done by 20% of the people. Um, 
and had a professor, and he, he looked at us and he said, look, your goal needs to be, these come from Scripture, which says that it's 100% of the work done by 100% of the people, 100% of the time. And so I want us to, to fight that. Like, I want more, I want us to see us, like, when we're like, hey, we need people to sign up for this, to flood to that kind of stuff, you know. And we're tearing down on Sunday nights for people to not be like, it's not my night. I ain't helping to watch you know, girls drag big rocking chairs out, you know, like this. And for big, strong, strapping guys to not sit there and play ping pong and watch these girls kill themselves dragging a rocking chair out. Those are the kinds of things that, like, I could get up here and I could gripe about it and whatever and say, do this, and it'll be better for a week or two, and it won't change. But this is why, because I want us to see serving people as a holiness issue, as reflecting God's heart. You know, do you understand what I'm saying? And so I know in one sense I just contradicted myself because I did do that. But, but I, I want you to, like, that's really where, where it comes down to, is having that desire of, like, I want to serve people, whether it's helping tear down around here or helping people move or helping do whatever, because, because Jesus came as a servant. He was holy in his service, so I want to be holy. And you understand those connections? Um, when it comes to issues with, with community and digging into people's lives, when it comes to um, taking care of people, when it comes to just the general ownership of the fact that like, this is our church, that we embrace the things that we're doing, as we, this is us doing this. All those things, loving the bride of Christ, all that, is, it's, a, it's a holiness issue. All those things. And so if you want to know, I mean, and I know I had to give some examples. If you want to know where I, what the vision for 09, I'll tell you, but it's going to start right there. It's going to come from there. And if, if, if we can get to that point where we look at our lives and we're like, God, I'm tired of modifying my behavior I'm tired of vowing that I'm never going to do something again. I'm tired of, of whatever. And I'm, I'm, I want these things to, to begin on the inside. Because it's really overwhelming when you're like, man, I don't even know where to start. I'm so unholy in so many ways. Like It's like, I, I don't know. And that's what's so cool about it, is that, is that we, we take these scriptures and we're like, okay, like, God, I want to prepare my mind for action. I want to be um, sober-minded um, I don't want to conform to that pattern. I want to conform to your pattern. I want to be holy because you're holy, and I have no idea where to start. And God says, you know what? That is awesome. I will show you where to start. I'll tell you exactly where to start. That's why I think that 2009 could be the most amazing year ever. And that's why in 2010... I'm going to give the same exact speech <laughs> because it's always going to come down to the same stuff. And I don't say all this stuff as, as like someone who's like, let me tell you all how to fix everything. I say it as a guy who's sitting in the boat, you know, the, the SS, I'm not as holy as I need to be and I know it, boat. And I want that for my life, and I know that you want it for your life. And when all of us want it for our own lives, all our lives are pressed together in what is called the Ring Community Church, and that this expression of faith in Baton Rouge, and that's when we're going to continue to see things change and change and change. Let me, let me pray for us. God, um, God I hope that, 
I don't know, through my randomness, God, that you were able to get the, the point across of what these scriptures are talking about. And um, God, that, that, this, that we're placing our hope in the right place. That we look at um, everything in life as, as being good, but not being the place where our hope is found. And so, Father, we, we look to you and the grace that is on our way. And um, we need your help to prepare our minds, to take our thoughts that are so hindering and to, to tie them up, and the discipline to stay there. And the patterns of our old lives are so tempting. Um, but we need your help to not conform to them. Father, we, lo- we love you and we trust you. And you know our struggles and our needs. So we're asking you to show us where to start. And we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Um, so we're just gonna have we're just gonna have a little time to be able to respond to this. And here's the thing is as soon as we start talking about holiness, some of you jumped straight to in a part of your life like you you know you know you know you know and some people are, are really are just like I don't even know I don't know where to start and so whether you know exactly where to start or you have too many issues and you don't know where to start here's here's like the best quote unquote advice that I could give you it's in the Psalm 139 and it's perfect it says search me O God and know my heart try me and know my thoughts See if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. I think you just ask him to search you, to test you, and to just lead you. God's not going to give you 48 things to work on tonight. He's probably just going to say, let's start here. 48 is intimidating. One is not. And maybe the starting point is God, I know that this area of my life is not one where I'm holy in the way that you are holy, and I want to get there. Maybe all you got to do is just climb in that boat and let him take care of the rest and be obedient when he tells you what to do. So we're going to spend just a few minutes just kind of letting this sink in a little bit. They're going to do a song or two, and then we're going to go. Uh, Let's just approach this seriously. Um, We'll see what God does.